0: LifeWay
1: Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network You're listening to the 5 Leadership Questions Podcast I'm your host Todd Adkins and today I'm here with Daniel M Hello, hello And Hottie Lewis It's been a while since you've been on It has It's been a long time But I appreciate the invite back
2: Yeah Absolutely I interviewed him solo last time It was right. So wait uh, He may have been Is he he a three-timer? No, this is the second time.
1: Are you sure? Did you do one with me
2: and
0: Barnabas, or do you remember? I
2: don't. I so do so remember, many. Interview.
0: I do. I do remember doing something with you and Barnabas, but
1: I don't. Yeah. Know if it was five leadership questions. Did was it Barnabas was a part of the the chicken run? I don't know, man. Uh, so I I've already started the, the story, was, and I'm going to ruin your reputation. It's too early Atlanta right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to go here. So uh, Dahati was in early days of Grid. We were filming all kinds of different things, and so you're. One of the things that that you're known for is urban ministry and yes. uh, urban church planting. Um, something that you will not be known for is handling hot food. Actually, you <laughs> can handle hot food, but we took him to Hot Hattie Bee's. So if you don't know Nashville hot chicken, it's a yeah. thing. And so yeah, but Nashville
2: hot chicken anywhere else is not really Nashville hot chicken.
1: Well, it no, is ha- Princess. No, no. Princess yeah, is yeah, yeah, the yeah, original, yeah. Um, but that in Hattie B's, yes, yeah. That's so that and Hattie B's. Hands down, best chicken. Don't go to like Zaxby's or someplace random or even Kentucky. You know,
0: Zaxby's does have a hot chicken now sandwich. I know, but. Yeah, it's not. I was disappointed. <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can I say the levels on. Do you think I yes, can? Yes, of okay. course you can. Okay, so the last one's out, trademarked too, so. It's. Yeah. It's. uh, It starts out with Southern. So I usually go and get at least one Southern. Uh, and then. Um, That's like, mild, like no spice at all. That's no spot. I mean, it's just southern fried yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah.
0: Can he say anything
1: if he gets southern? No. Is that, is that even no. okay? Like it's he, my story. He's this story Daniel up. wasn't even there. This is, this is uh, pre-Daniel. <laughs> this is BD, before Daniel, way before, before Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> and so what we did was we we uh, we break for lunch and we go to this place, uh, Hot Heidi B's. And so it starts out at southern, then mild, then hot, then dang hot, and then Shut the cluck up. Yeah. Is like the cluck. Shut the cluck. That's up. right. Yes. Yeah. It was And like, I
2: usually get hot. And I grew, I mean, I always go for hot, but I'm like, when there's hot and then two above that, I'm like, I
0: don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, and, but-, and just, but we have to give some of the context. Like, I, because I am such a man, <laughs> and because true. I am such a person who loves challenges, like, I kind of consider myself yes. kind of a man versus food. Like, you know, and so yeah, when I yeah, go places, yeah.
1: I want. The challenge. And so there was a challenge. And you stepped up. You stepped up to the challenge and then you ate my banana pudding. You <laughs> you That's all fired. I remember. I it was a very tra- traumatic moment so, for me. Because uh the here's a secret for those that come to Nashville and decide to eat at Hot Hatie Bees. By the way, they're not a sponsor. Just want to go ahead and put that out there. Uh, we wouldn't mind it if they sponsored We wouldn't it the mind podcast. it at all. <laughs> um but the thing is when uh when you're at Hot Hattie Bees, they actually consider banana pudding a vegetable which is just one more reason wait what that's a secret yeah you can order it as a vegetable on the side like if you get a a plate or platter or whatever it's always extra though it's not a part No, it's not it's a side it's a side you just need to say that Hmm. young Hmm. padawan (laughs) all right so todd what does this have to do with leadership it doesn't yet. Yeah, I'm still telling the story of when he, well, he cried. I can give you the application. It's he a leadership cried. because leaders go out and
0: they want to go to places that other people don't want to oh, go. Oh, there so, we go. Oh, I was there. I, You know, since we get Southern, um, some people get Southern. Others want to lead out and— <laughs> Be able to take on the challenges, (laughs) and so I failed. But you know, the gospel is sufficient, and my identity (laughs) is not found whether I succeed or fail because I am still His.
1: Like
2: like a true preacher who can who can gather and create sermon illustrations. You need to learn from anything.
1: A conversation. You need to turn any conversation. You got to be ready for it. If you want to deliver the gospel, you got to be ready to turn the conversation. All right. So, Dahadi Lewis just did.
2: Tahadi Lewis is the lead pastor of Blueprint Church in Atlanta, and he's also the vice president of the North American Mission Board, uh, the SEND Network, Network. So tell us about that transition, because that was, and tell us about your, when you first started at Nam. I don't know if, well, whatever, we're already recording time. live, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. story time, and you were trying to figure out what your title was supposed to be. <laughs>
1: can we do this can we do this from blackish yeah oh, okay are, <laughs> are you serious? what you saying so I can't do anything so no I mean you're there... Korean you're African american <laughs> I can't say anything I'm done
0: y'all well, go you know I came in you know I, I things' documented I'm, I wasn't raised Southern Baptist mm-hmm. and so I was really wasn't raised in the church and so when I came um, to know the Lord, and even went through and planted our first church, Blueprint Church. Um, we became Southern Baptist early in our in our plant, and mm-hmm. so, and we were doing ministry in the urban context, and you know, so on and so forth, and just trying to plant churches in the urban context. So anyway, Nam brought me on, and then during this time, they were always trying to figure out what is his role, what is his title, and you know, and, and I was always you know, I'm urban this, urban practi- urban practitioner, so. And then so when the initially I was becoming a VP at the North American Mission Board, when that conversation was first brought up, um, they asked the question, they were like, um, hey, um, what, what do we want to call it? You know, and I, and I and I was just like because of Blackish. I, I forgot exactly what I want to call it, but it was the first episode of, yeah, the, yeah, of the show yeah. Blackish. I his, remember his title, his yeah, title, yeah. His <laughs> title was like he thought he was gonna be like vice president of marketing or something. Yeah, just like, like just like, like vice, president vice president of marketing. Yeah. That's it, right? And Then they was just like, so we got all this and you know, and what we're gonna make you is vice president of the urban communication. And it was like this thing, like, the music stops, and it was like, oh, so only black people can be vice president of urban, you know? And so, so basically I kinda told Kevin as a joke, I was just like, yeah, go look at, um, I wanna be the urban vice president and go look at, (laughs) Blackish <laughs> to kind of give you the reason why, and so yeah, so that was so kind of oh, that was oh, incredible. That was, so that was years ago, yeah. and recently
2: uh, with Jeff Christopherson moving up back to Canada, and and you yeah, took over goes all back s- to Canada, and <laughs> Texas. If you're from Canada or Texas? Yeah. Harm, they always go back, and and you took over the Sun Network side. Yeah. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah, that it was a recent thing, just happened in October of last year, and that really was a. You know, a God ordained thing. I mean, and and just it was Jeff Christopherson who just his mother um, got sick and or and just needed to, felt the the call to go take care of his mother mm-hmm. and and so after he did that he went back and and he's just like we need to hire someone else to do this and he just doesn't feel like he can run the sin network from there and so he graciously um, put my name forward yeah. as as the one. And, you know, and what if you knew my knew the journey there, I mean, I'm like the least likely person that I would have thought, but God was gracious and, you know, and he's built mm-hmm. a great legacy um, there and I'm just kind of building on the shoulders of um, the the previous. Yeah,
1: man, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's it's, awesome. Been, it's
0: been great. I, I've really enjoyed it. The team has been amazing to be a part of this church planting network and just seeing more churches planted. I mean, it just it's it's exciting. Yeah. So before
2: we get into the questions, I'd love just to hear your heart then as you are now in this leadership role. Obviously it's not just, it's not just a job, right? I mean, you've been living this out as a church planter and, and you're still lead pastoring your church. And I mean, now you have this mantle of the SEND network, right? Um, the largest church planning organization in North America. Well, probably in the world Mm -hmm. funding wise, you know, so, so the kingdom impact that you guys can do is just there, right? Mm -hmm. So as you are bringing uh, yourself to the Lord and as you're praying about what God is calling you to do and how God is calling you to lead the sun network, uh, what has God been stirring in your heart? And, and you don't need to obviously say, you know, the, the shtick or, you know, the, the, the huge, whatever the formalized thing is, but you know, just from your heart level, what what do you see is coming up next?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what I would say is just the nature of it is and how it all happened. I Like I said, I was the least likely person. I wasn't really preparing. I didn't have a game plan or mm-hmm. strategic plan. It was like, this was obviously a God-ordained um, thing, and I don't just say that flippantly. And so what I've been asking people to pray, and you can all join in and pray, is is Romans 12, chapter two. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where he talks about don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, specifically in the New Living Translation, Um, just because that just stuck out to me. Um, And I was like, God, you know, I didn't ask for this. I wasn't pushing for this. This is something that you have me here for. So please, I don't want to just kind of continue what we've been doing give me what you want me to do. And so I would say that has really been my heart, but I think more than anything, the biggest thing that has constantly driven me in everything, all of my ministry endeavors, was I wanna be the last generation that has to leave the urban context for sound discipleship. And I think that this is the thing that drive, and, and for the first time, I feel like God has placed me in a position with some of the tools and the resources in the network via whether Southern Baptist, um, 46,000 churches co- cooperating together for the purpose of doing this, that we can plant churches everywhere for everyone, and that really is uh, like a reality so that anybody that's in my church and that is coming and they say, how do I have to move because of whatever, X, Y, and Z, that I can say, oh yeah, we have a church there. Yeah, we have a church that is faithfully preaching the gospel, and just to be a part of something like that has just been um, mind blowing, and just to see that God has given us a tool
1: and a vehicle to do that.
0: Yeah, I love that, I love that. Awesome, well, let's get into the questions.
1: All right. So it's been a while since you answered these, so we're just gonna go back to the original. All right. Who are you presently learning from?
0: Uh, when when you think about presently learning from, you know, I've been kind of taking on a different approach. I mean, I, I obviously still read, but a lot of my reading outside right now is around kind of, you know, preparing for sermons or just right. yeah. you know, other things. But Right now, I'm actually um, doing a lot around emotional work. Okay. You know, just kind of personal, emotional work. There's a guy I actually hear from um, in Nashville named Chip Dodd. Okay. And um, he has a great book called The Voice of the Heart. And, you know, so i actually been coming down here a couple of times um, a year and just kind of learning and just being healthy. Mm. You know, I mean, Pete Scissero says that you can't be um, spiritually healthy without being emotionally healthy. And that's one of the things that... A lot of times, what even personally and just seeing others that were not emotionally healthy. So doing a lot on emotional health. But I think even that, like a lot of my study time, like extracurricular study time, has really been around learning Spanish. Okay. Um, that is really my goal this year is to be fluent. Not fluent. What, so Fluent what you... is, uh, let's back that up. <laughs> a
1: lot. Like a lot. Like
0: <laughs> conversational. <laughs> be able to like fumble around and understand every two or three words in Spanish. Okay. So what are you using to do that? um so duolingo yeah, is yeah. a great app um that I that I use so I get on duolingo and I try to you know just learn that way but then I also they also have a podcast. Is it's an intermediate level podcast that they have there that they just tell you stories and their stories English in Spanish. This? Yeah, so it's, oh, well. so they will do some of it in English that gives you context and right. some of it in Spanish. And that podcast is really helpful because it allows you to hear the cadence and the speed yeah. of things. And it's an intermediate level Spanish. And so and the reason why I'm doing that and so I'll listen. I look. I listen to a lot of news. I listen to a lot of things in Spanish. Partially from, and the reason why I bring it up in this context is from a missional context is like, we need to be able to address it, especially in entities that we are a part of these areas, you know, and like, what are the problems and the challenges of the fastest growing you know, community in our country, you know, and just really thinking about that. But then also speaking to the issue, their heart issues, what are their issues? What are the things that are resonating in them? And so I'm listening to the stories as a missionary, because I think a lot of times um, we are silent on some of the issues, even if it's a prominent subject matter. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you take, for instance, even what's going on, the government was shut down for however long it was shut down. Why? Because of the potential of a wall. But that wall Especially as for us, is a missiological issue that a lot of times that we are addressing. If we don't have anything to say, that we're not addressing something that is prominent, and we're not speaking right. to the issues that our people are speaking. So I want to learn Spanish. I want to hear people them in their hearts' language. I want to be able to communicate with them, um, and you know. And so it's so it's been basically my own emotional health, and then specifically um, you know this bilingual yeah. listening to radio news things in Spanish. Okay, so. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm curious what triggered the emotional health side of things? Well, the emotional health is it's a lot of things. um, But I would say specifically the reason why I wanted to be more um, strategic in our discipleship platforms and and bringing into that conversation has been because of the issues that are of our country. Yeah. Okay. You know, our country is mm-hmm. divided and the problem is is that we're, whether we're talking about race or justice or any of this e- these intense issues that things that just I re- I recognize that we can't even talk about them because emotions get so yeah. much in the way and that yeah, no one no one listens. So I was like if yeah. we're going to really have healthy conversations mm-hmm. then we got to we got to address our inability to even express. Yeah you know, ourselves because of just the emotional trauma that we are unable to to deal with. And so we have, I took our church through, we did, we did a series called 18 inches going from the head to the heart, just to talk and address about just emotions. It says, if we're going to address any hard subject matter or any hard topic, we got to be emotionally healthy, Yeah, you okay. know? And so
2: that that was what triggered. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. The, the next question is about uh, your leadership team and uh, the main point of emphasis I for you. I
1: think one thing the that's really yeah. interesting, Daniel, is we've talked about a lot of um, personality assessments lately. So like emotional intelligence or five voices, you know, or Enneagram. 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 Yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, Enneagram, we talked about, hey, it has a really strong shadow side like mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. know the weaknesses that you have or or uh um, yeah your core motiva- m- yeah, core motivations core motivations all these things and the interesting thing to me is from an emotional side of things it's like where do you go when you're not emotionally healthy yeah so i do think that it kind of it ties in really well with a lot of assessments a lot of things that you're doing to really understand hey what are going to be my tendencies from an emotional standpoint? Mm. Where am I going to go when I'm not emotionally healthy? So I love the fact that, you know, if you look at – Skizero's been on the podcast, of course, before too, um, from an emotionally healthy leader side, Mm. uh, and I didn't really – you'd you'd said – what did you say about the emotionally healthy and spiritual healthy? Well, you can't
0: be – and this is what Pete says, is that you can't be spiritually healthy without being emotionally healthy. It is impossible. To be spiritually healthy, but emotionally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a very important thing. And, you know, and I just think that on like I you know, we take all the Enneagrams and all the different tests, and but a lot of times what it does is it kind of helps you understand yourself and helps you understand others, but really it doesn't deal with kind of the in, the emotions and the the stuff that's going on inside of you. And so what I love about Chip Dodd's book and the voice of the heart is that he basically says there's three primary colors. And just like there's three primary colors, he believes right. that there's eight primary emotions and that okay. you can find any emotion mm-hmm. and based upon it's a mixture of these eight primary emotions. And he says, these emotions are not good nor bad. They're just tools that God gives us to help us to live faithfully in a broken world. It teaches mm-hmm. us how to be human, right? And um, and that's really the big part is so just being able to understand and say, I'm angry, mm-hmm. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm afraid. You know, and just being able to do that because if you're not willing to confess that, it leads to typically leads to um a shadow. Right. You know, and so if you don't confess your fear, what you end up doing is raging. You right. end up controlling. You end up um on and So that's one R, but if you do confess your fear, because we all have fear, but healthy fear, you know, confess, and if you do the work, leads us to actually faith, because all fear says is that I'm not in control, and there's danger, and so really, I'm not in control, there's danger I got to go to someone who is in control, right? And it leads us to trust in God. But if we're not willing to confess our fear, then we're not really to live out in faith. And oh, so, just yeah. being able to to understand that, I think, is critical. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So, the next question is the what what the main point
2: of emphasis is for your leadership team. And before you do that, because right now you're you have two roles, right? I mean, you've planted Blueprint how, how many years ago?
0: We're actually celebrating ten years on January third, twenty twenty. So yeah. So
2: coming up there, coming up ten years and then the new role at Nam. So talk to us about how you with you know, in light of the emotional health side, talk to you talk to us about how you balance those two, what that looks like and, and your main point of emphasis for your leadership teams.
0: Well, I mean, on both sides, I have amazing, amazing team, team mm-hmm. members. I mean, people who get it done doing it and really I'm just the person who gets to kiss babies and you know, and shake hands. I mean, at the end of the day, um, they're both running the day-to-day. We have people on both sides running the day-to-day. And, you know, I'm just um, here kind of more so from the vision, direction, big picture um, things. And so a lot of times it's, it's gracious. And Kevin, when Kevin Azale asked me to um, become and to lead the the Sin network, he, he was one of the th- ones that said, like, and we want you to remain pastor of Blueprint Church because we want you to be a practitioner, you know? And so as I've been... And kind of galvanizing, going around and talking to other leaders. I'm going to them not as the vice president of the North American Mission Board or as the Sin Network. Mm-hmm. I'm going as another pastor yeah, okay. that you know, and I'm basically telling them like, we are a Sin Network, mm-hmm. and that's really the goal. Is it's like we are the Sin Network. Blueprint Church is a Sin Network. Your church is a Sin Network. You know, and that's really we want we want to be known as a family of churches mm-hmm. that are about planting healthy, multiplying churches everywhere for everyone and that's really yeah. kind of our heart and so this has been really a blessing you know to do that and just the tremendous grace on both sides to mm-hmm. understand that that um i really believe that n- what i'm doing at Nam couldn't be healthy unless i was a practitioner and what i do at blueprint allows me to go and share with others you know as a practitioner with a yeah. certain humility because i recognize that a lot of the stuff that i'm doing mm. you know it's like oh I probably won't be doing it in two months because, you know, especially in the urban context, things are always changing. It's hard. Things are not working. You're frustrated. So is this. So is this. It brings a certain level of humility, you know, in those in that role. That's good. That's good. And uh,
2: for our listeners, Lifeway Leadership, uh, NewChurches.com is a part of that. So that's where, uh, Dahadi, you've been on uh, multiple times, Mm -hmm. whether podcasts, webinars, this or that. And and there's been definitely a, a great sense of partnership. Between yeah. new churches, Lifeway Research, the church planner assessment, with yeah. that Send Network uses, so yes. it's neat to be a part of the the same family of churches, yeah. uh, with that same vision too.
0: Yeah, and it would, I mean, it wouldn't be possible without you guys' support and mm-hmm. what you guys doing. this but being this, that's what's being a part of kind of a, this larger family that gives us the ability not only to talk about it, but to really deliver the resources. Yeah, and so that's what's what's exciting about the partnership. Yeah, completely
1: what other than read the bible or spiritual disciplines what what are one or two things that you feel like you you've got to do almost every day in order to stay sharp as a leader um
0: i need to engage in some type of sports i am that dad i am that dad that wakes my kids up I woke my I woke my kids up. I pick up the, some of the neighborhood kids, and I'm that dad that goes and six in the morning, seven in the morning. Let's go. So I mean, two three days a week, I am I'm there and I'm training and I'm and all that. You know, my my testimony is I grew up in that. my dad was a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing the sports, played Division One football. Um, and there was this, it was it's just that is in my DNA. And a lot of my principles have been transferred from, you know, that okay right. growing up in sports, and so is this something about sports and athletics that that teaches and but I, I use sports and athletics as a as a key thing but then I also try to draw on that it's more than sports it is is a platform right you know that helps lead and everything so i'm finally excited because I finally like I spent like a lot of my time and like one of my goals was to get make sure I got a a key to the gym of the high school so that I can go anytime that I want. And I oh, finally awesome. obtained that. So I feel like I've arrived <laughs> nice. and I can now retire. So that's fantastic. Like, yeah. I got a key to the gym. So like, I'm good. Yeah. So, okay. So to, Heidi, to
2: for the listeners, for our listeners and those who are saying, Hey man, I'd love to be present and I'd love to uh, have an impact in our local schools and in our community as pastors, as church leaders. How did you? How did it come to the point where you got a key to the gym? Because yeah. that's a lot of trust.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, to that answer, but uh, you know, for me specifically in my story, you and kind of the principle is is that you have to think intersection over addition, mm-hmm. and you know, and for me. I recognize that if this is going to be, you know, something that I engage in with all of my heart, then I needed to engage it. I needed to think about intersection, not addition. And what what I mean by that is a problem is not a real problem unless it's your problem. Yeah. Right. And and, unless something is your, the the way things becomes your problem is for two reasons, I think. One is proximity and the other one is relationship. I recognized that it wasn't going to be a real problem. We moved into the urban context. We moved into the city. And the thing was is that we put our kids into a school. And one of the schools that we were in, the elementary school, was the third worst performing school in all of Atlanta public school. Mm. You know, and so we was just like, you know, the typical things a lot of times is like, oh, well, we'll private school them, homeschool them, and but we'll just engage the schools. Yeah. No, we was like, no. We're going to put our kids in the school, yeah. you know, and now that becomes a real problem. And so when we were there, my wife started volunteering there. She was there so much. It was just like, you're here so much, Miss Lewis. Can we give you a job? <laughs> you know, and it was just like, she was like, can we make you the cafeteria lady? Yeah. And I was just like, you, and I remember telling her, I was like, you have the most strategic job In all, you're seeing every kid. kid. You're the only person who sees every kid every single day. That's true, and you know, and so we were there, and it was a real problem. And then we started volunteering so much that we ended up putting over forty hours. We ended up getting up to about two hundred and seventy hours every week. But the thing was, when I think intersection, not addition, was I being a missionary or was I being a good parent? Mm. Was I? It's like, yes, yes, and yes. You yeah. know, the more yeah. times you can right. say yes to having your life intersect th- because of a real problem, because it was about my kids not being educated. Yeah, You know, and if my kids are not being educated, there's a real issue. So on one is, you know, relationship. It's a real problem because it's their problem. It's our problem. It's a real problem because that's our neighborhood school. And so now it's a real problem in all of the neighborhood Because of proximity. So I'm in the neighborhood. I'm walking around. I'm meeting with the people, the gentrified side of the community because they all want a good school because it's tied to their, you know, the housing value. That's right. You know, they're not sending their kids to school. That's right. But then on the flip side, you know, the people that are the indigenous that were there— they love it because it's their kids. And so we all have this common problem that we're trying to solve. And that has been such a tool to helping us, like we all mutually and genuinely. So our church, we took over the PTA. I mean, we were just kind of, we were all invested in. That's awesome. Um, so it was just kind of like, was I being a father? Was I being a missionary? Was I being a pastor? Yes. And so it was really a burden. It wasn't just a good idea that I can do to reach people. It was a real prop, real burden, a real issue in our neighborhood that was held by multiple people. And it was there that we were able to, to um, build that bridge.
2: Okay. Okay. So that's a great transition to our next one, which is what does leadership in your home look like? And before you answer that, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor. One of the greatest predictors of a disciple's spiritual growth is regular Bible reading. That's why Lifeway created the daily discipleship guide. The new resource in the Bible Studies for Life family contains content for a weekly group Bible study, but it also includes five daily devotions to reinforce what was learned in the group meeting. And that daily commitment to reading God's word helps create a habit that leads to discipleship. To download four free sessions of the daily discipleship guide, visit com slash DDG. That's BibleStudiesForLife.com slash DDG. Now back to the podcast. All right. So, Tahati, what does leadership in your home look like?
0: Well, the way we define um, leadership in, is proactively meeting the needs of others. That's one way. Or taking initiative for the benefit of others. Mm. So it's basically kind of saying the same thing. But like if you were to ask all of my kids, they would know, they would answer it one of those two ways. Because, you know, growing up, I used to always give them, I said, hey, I want you guys. Here's a homework assignment. Is it, you know, they always give you homework assignment. Here's a school assignment. I want you to take initiative for the benefit of others. Mm. I want you to look out for people, your teachers, and I want you to proactively try to meet their needs. I want you so that it benefits them, not that it benefits you. And so, I mean, we just—I just feel like that's rooted in the gospel. That yeah. Christ took initiative for the benefit of us, so that we can have a relationship with God, and that He was the ultimate leader, yeah. you know, for us. And so, that was—that's kind of how we wrap that up.
2: Okay, so you. Ask them to do that. You remind them of doing that. Maybe you share times you've done that. Yeah. What are some ways that your kids have done that if, well, if that's I'll, okay to share? Well,
0: I'll ask them and I'll tell them, you know, hey, and just like the, the teacher's going to check your homework, I'm going to check it. So around oh, dinner that's table, good. That's good. Okay. we're at the dinner table when we come back home that night. I'm gonna ask you? How did you take an initiative? And what happens is is that you know they'll go around and they always try to outdo one yes, another. Yeah. Oh, I, I. Some my teacher dropped the papers and I went over and did, or I passed out the, you know the the paper for the teacher, or I gathered all the balls and P. Pe- I I mean, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, okay. and we'll just celebrate that's awesome. each one on that just kind of how they take initiative in their schools. And so and you see that idea of them trying to outdo one another. I'm still trying to get them to do it for one another in the home, but mm-hmm. right now it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's know, a little different when it's your connection. brothers
1: and sisters. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that because it's super practical, and almost anybody who's listening can do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. And it's, it's so neat to see – what you are asking them, right? So whether Christina or I drive our kids to school, we always ask them, hey, what are you thankful for today? Yeah, we, And they're not allowed to say what they said the day before or, or what anyone else is saying. And, you know, we ask them questions like, hey, what did you do that was courageous today, mm-hmm. right? So I love the initiative thing. Yeah. I think we'll add that to our repertoire yeah. of questions. You know, over That's the course
1: good. of time, the highs and lows, you know, what was your high today? What was your low today? Yeah. What was your, all the, that can get, Old and <laughs> and it, it's it, when you when you're looking at like what does your family value mm-hmm. as a family like family vision family values family mission. Um, I think that's a great way yeah. to principally. Dude, you know, have what, you ever
0: did the rose buds and thorns? We've done that sometimes. No, what, what so is rose that? Buds, there's, a, there's another way of highs and lows. Okay, like, yeah. Rose buds thorns is like so. Rose is kind of like what are you excited about? Yeah, the rose. The bud, what are you looking forward to? Thorn is what is the thing that's kind of, you know, challenge. What is your challenge? Oh, I like that. Okay. So rose buds, thorns, highs, lows, leadership initiatives. You try to mix it up, you know, and just talk about different things. So whenever we get around the table, we try to do something proactively as a family just to kind of cultivate. Yeah. That are, you know, we'll play games, you know, different things of that nature. How important
1: important is the table both to – family ministry and church ministry.
0: I believe it's super important and it is mm. and it gets harder and harder the older they get. Yeah. You know, I mean sports and Yeah, with sports athletes, and schedules, yeah. everyone's going this way, going the opposite ways. And um, as a pastor too, I mean yeah, it's that's people want to meet. The people want to meet. And so it is. And so I think it's very important because the dinner table and around food I think it's just such, you know, it's just a time where we can. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, we have different principles and different rules that are, like, around our house. And so, like, we don't just come grab our food and just go and eat and scatter around the house. We are intentional about sitting at the table, waiting for whoever cooked the food to sit down at the table mm-hmm. before anyone starts eating. For sure. You know, and then basically, tr- you know, having that dialogue. And then, you know, and so a lot of our... Family, we celebrate, we come around, and even cooking and preparing the meals. So we do like breakfast for dinner, and you know, or we wake up and do breakfast, and then everyone, like my youngest son is on the eggs, my oldest daughter is on cooking the waffles, I'm cutting up the potatoes. And so it's just like even preparing, you know, for the table has just brought a lot of family and community around, Mm. around it. And so yeah, I think it's extremely important, but I would say both in the preparation, the actual table, and the training um, of it. I told my girls recently. I said, "Listen, you know, now we are gonna take another step." You need to start at least once or twice a month. You need to start actually um, preparing mm. dinner and preparing a meal. And they was like, "Oh, Dad, you, the boys gonna have to do it too." And they just kind of go in <laughs> to all that. And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, they're gonna have to do it." But look, right now, you guys are re- meeting that age that you yeah. guys need to start doing it. As, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, they didn't they didn't like it earlier on. You know, but what was funny and what was interesting because we was at a, um, a IHOP when we was talking about this, right. and then they were just like, "God, oh, that's so." you know not cool or whatever they didn't say it that way but so I started asking you know just different women just random women you know when did you start having to cook for your 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 family when did you and you know women after women was just like oh 12 13 14 15 I mean and it was all just the sharing and you know, I think, you know, we want to be so progressive now. I mean, I just think that it's important both for our boys and our girls. Oh, it's a huge life skill. To teach the yeah. life skill. And I said, regardless of what you do when you're an adult, that's on you. Yeah. But we want to give you that option. Yes. So when you get there, whether you are our son or your daughter, that you will be able to speak. Yeah. You know, and um, or be. Uh, Adept yes. at knowing how to cook your own meal right. and how to prepare and serve others using that. So yeah. I think it's I think it's huge.
2: No, that's huge. The only thing I knew how to cook going into college was ramen with hot dogs. Oh man! <laughs> hey, for me oh, it was brutal. rice
0: with ground beef. Yes. Like, yeah. uh, like I needed to get some rice and then I threw some ground beef and chopped it up and put it on there and Threw some ketchup on it yeah. and some hot sauce. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going. <laughs> all right. So, Dahadi, before we get to our last question, which is
2: my favorite one, uh, you you wrote Among Wolves and you have a brand new book coming out, Advocates, The Narrow Path to Racial Reconciliation. Tell us a little, little bit about that um, and then we'll get into our last question.
0: Really, um, Advocates just comes out of heart again, out of just all of the racial tension, the, the tensions that goes, all the stuff that I come out with, any book that I've Ever write or ever will write is something that we're doing at our church. I mean, this is so we have just basically it's a book comprised of trying to give handlebars to a people that are dealing with issues Mm. um, that are of, whether it's injustice, whether it's racial tension, strife, and it's like, how do we do that? And really, how do we come with a heart posture of being an advocate? So the book is basically, it's looking at the book of um, Philemon and Paul running to the tension between Philemon and Onesimus, Mm. and like how he runs to the tension of reconciliation with a heart for advocacy, with a heart for reconciliation. He's not just kind of throwing grenades and just like, I
1: don't care what happens with there. What I think is important about a book like that is There's listeners right now that are like, great. Another conversation about this issue. The last thing I want to hear or listen to or read a book on is this issue. And I would challenge them. Yeah, but have you really read anything or really listened to anything? Or are you just listening to the news? Or are you just watching your Facebook feed? Or are you just watching the things that are intended to incite and divide the body Mm -hmm. those things are intended to incite and divide the body those things are intended to make you click on them to cordon you off in one camp or another camp and so i would really encourage people that are listening that if you felt tension in talking about this tension to really sit down and read this book or another book or maybe several books and just Really get down to the the meat and crux of this issue, and then, you know, decide what you're going to do about it. Yeah, you know? and I and I would just kind of add. I think the, the hopefully what I
0: try to intend for this book that would be different is a lot of times books that are that come out they're intended to help you think or help you to t- or tell you how to think about this issue. They're right. giving their opinions, and we intentionally um as we pres- wrote this book was written in a way that was not trying to tell you how to think but how to how and engage the conversation because we have our we ha- at our church we have people who voted for president Trump and we have people at our church that thought think that if you voted for president Trump you're the devil mm. you know and so we have both and so at a church how do we run to the tension that of these two right. groups and how do we run to that tension and not tell them that, oh, you should have voted for President Trump or you should not have voted for President Trump, but just like, how do we help us create environments where we can have honest dialogue? And so we're not telling people how to think, but we're saying anything that are hard conversations, how do we run as an advocate? You know, because I think we have to address. I mean, these issues are not going away, whether it's white fragility or black fatigue or minority fatigue in addressing these issues. I mean, everybody's kind of tired of having it either because nothing changes or because I'm tired of being victimized or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. But we have to continue to run to the tension, and I think that's the very issue the very thing that um, God has given us He says He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. yeah, so I think it's important and I hope that it's helpful for us to engage in healthy ways when it comes to this um, anything that's dividing the body of Christ.
2: yeah, and that's that's what I that's what I got as I was reading the book. It really was a helpful way to engage a map forward to engage yeah. and you did do the thinking side of it it's not that it's just right. a manual right there is the first couple of chapters yeah. laid out super clearly but the rest of the book is just just incredibly practical to say whether or not you've ever read a book on Anything, you know, multi-ethnic, multicultural, you know, reconciliation-wise, even if you've never read anything like this, I think this would actually be a really good place to start in In light of all that.
1: So we're uh, now coming home. Uh, well, actually, we just talked about your home. But now, <laughs> I mean, we're coming to the last question. And, and that is, um, what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? I mean, your your children are now... Well, your are oldest anyway skin to that age mm-hmm. so what yeah. what do you what do you tell that person be patient
0: mm. um don't overestimate what you can do in a year but don't underestimate what you can do in 5 mm. and that's kind of metaphorically i mean 20 10 15 20 right. mm-hmm. um, a lot of times as believers i think we think i mean i've been working on this for a year obviously i haven't seen the fruit so god's not in it let mm-hmm. me move on to the next endeavor but I think sometimes it's just about kind of slow and steady kind of wins the race and just really um, being able to be patient that just stay consistent with doing the same thing, keep doing it, keep the ground because everything is changing. And I think some people, people are looking for something that's consistent. And I think that the idea that we have a gospel and we serve a Lord that is the same yesterday, today and forever gives a, a foundation in this ever-changing world ever-changing context i mean i'm just driving around nashville and you see there's tons of construction tons of things and everything is kind of changing is there anything consistent and i think what we need to do is just kind of figure out the difference between how we make our living and how we live our life Mm. you know and just like there's some bedrock things that you should just kind of figure like i'm not changing these are these are the things i'm going to die on these are the hills these are i'm just gonna remain consistent and i'm going to keep doing these things and then as everything else changed, I'm going to adapt to the times and I'm going to be, you know, um, I'm going to contextualize and all that. But that that's a differing, you know, things. And so, again, I, so I would say don't overestimate what you can do in a year, but don't underestimate what you can do in five. Just be patient. And that's what I would tell myself now that I'm 43. Oh, my goodness. That, that is. <laughs> it's a good year, man. Is it a good year? Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> well, thanks to Hadi so much for
2: being with us. For uh, being here at Lifeway and for speaking to uh, our organization here and, and just spending the time with us. It's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's always a pleasure doing this. Thanks for having me.
2: It's always so fun to have our guests in the studio, isn't it, Todd?
1: Oh, it's always better.
2: <laughs> yeah, that way. it is always better. Now, we don't have the funds to fly people in, but no. uh, when they're here. We invite when him in. Nashville. <laughs> so yeah, when we in Nashville. Exactly. So that was Dahadi Lewis. Be sure to pick up a copy of his book that's about to come out. Advocates, I read it. I endorsed it. Man, seriously, I know he's not in the studio right now. This is a, a separate outro recording. And and I know usually if we have a guest on and they have a book, we're like, oh, you got to pick, gotta up, the pick up the book. But no, seriously, it's a really well-written, practical book that I know is going to help so many churches and so many leaders, especially in the changing landscape, not only of America, but around the world as well. So that's Advocates, The Narrow Path to Racial Reconciliation. And also, be sure to check out the One Thing podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna. This is kind of a multiple-year thing we're doing with them. First year, a couple years ago when we went out to Australia, just really kind of getting to know them, doing Leadership Pipeline out there, and Last year we did
1: Five cities Yeah That Was (laughs) grew
2: Yeah it was And this year I'm going back And uh, Todd I think you'll be there probably later on this year Probably uh, they split us up <laughs> but I'll be... couldn't take both of us <laughs> at once <laughs> yeah I know but I'll be speaking at the Multiply Conference and, and doing some training and pipeline coaching and talking about no silver bullets out there too so that'll be fun so be sure to check out their podcast that is the one thing podcast by Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna and we'll catch you guys next week